Welcome to Shift, a podcast series with Corey and Jared, designed to change how we own our individual journeys and our collective growth. Let's explore the dynamism of the human condition together. to all of our listeners today. I'm here with Jared and hey, my Corey. name is Corey. How's it going, Jared? Great. So glad to be here as always. Awesome. We are ready to talk to you today about compassion. Yep. In our last episode, we talked a little bit about empathy, but really excited to see how Jared thinks about this and also like how I can play off of what Jared is thinking on this topic as well. Yeah. And me too, and I know we've talked a little bit about this offline, and I'm curious to uh, hear you, what you think, and for our listeners too. You know, I think a lot of times people use empathy and compassion kind of interchangeably, and they're definitely related. Let's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's yeah. not like they're they're not. But how do you see um, how do you see compassion as different than empathy, and why is that important? Yeah, I think when we talked last episode actually about empathy. It's interesting as we talked about empathy in three kind of buckets mm-hmm. and the last part of empathy, the uh, compassionate expression of empathy really was taking the thinking component and the feeling component and turning it into an outward expression right. of your understanding of somebody else's condition. And so I feel like that's the differentiator. Like compassion takes you from that next stage of saying I care or I understand and moves you into I choose to act and that to me I think is the critical thing to to get about compassion I I love that differentiation and that's I mean empathy is rightly celebrated by me by you by us by a lot of people and it it should be Um, and uh, it's almost like it's like it's incomplete right until you take those feeling like oh my gosh like that person experiences and I I feel for them I, I want to you know and not and not in a you know like a philanthropic kind of like save savior way but I, I want to do something something needs to change whether it's on an individual level a policy level and I know you do a lot of policy work like in, in companies how do you take those feelings of empathy and say all right I'm gonna do something about it either you know one-on-one or in a, in a group, and I think that's where, a lot of times where we kind of we see roadblocks where mm-hmm. people are, oh yeah, I, I I agree, I feel this that you know that's too bad that that's happening. Okay, well, what are we going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah, the action piece is interesting because I think when people get into conversations around allyship, which is something I care a lot about as a topic, mm-hmm. we talk often about whether allyship is the right word to describe what the the behavior or set of actions are that somebody needs to take to really support somebody and so as you're thinking about like how do you get somebody to move from my care to understand i think a lot about that conversation because i think allyship sometimes doesn't go far enough for people like people use words like advocate or people use words like uh you know co-conspirator because (laughs) those have some component of Ownership, not yeah. only of like a solution, but also of the burden of whatever the problem is. And so yeah. one of the other things I read about compassion that I thought was interesting is that the definition of compassion actually includes the word suffer, like literally mm. to suffer together. And so I think there is a component of when you talk about like that next step of what do you do? How do you get there? Part of it is being willing to suffer 
really yeah. on behalf of somebody else. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. And I think, why, why, do, why is it so hard for, you, you might talk to someone just offline, you know, have a beer, have a coffee, you know, with someone, and, you know, they seem compassionate. But then when it gets into the workplace, right, when it gets into actually making uh, decisions, one-on-one, -on -one, group, policy, hiring, the compassion seems to, I don't know, like go away. Mm -hmm. Is is there something in our culture, like our our, our corporate culture, our uh, you know our American culture, that that kind of like compassion is taboo? What do you, I mean? What do you think? Yeah, compassion is taboo. That's <laughs> yes, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, when you think about compassion again, it's not one of those skill sets that are emphasized in elementary school necessarily. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're told like play nice with others or share the kickball, but then when it comes down to actually like what makes a successful report or what makes a, a good person that who is a leader in the class is usually the person who can like aggressively take charge and yeah. be seen efficient up front and, and efficient and like cuts yep. out the things that mm -hmm. seem irrelevant and sometimes I feel like that part the connecting with other people and slowing down to hear a story and then internalizing it as your own is just left on the cutting room floor yeah and it seems like I mean you know I don't want to get I don't want to get too into you know politics uh but I think it's so relevant, especially the last couple of years. You know, there, there's a an ethos of of decidedly non-compassion, mm. right? Yeah. And it's not just Trump, although he is a, a a key instigator. But there's this this idea that, like, you know, I just think of I'm I'm reading a Gandhi biography, uh, and you know, we think of Gandhi as compassionate and non-violent, and and he is, and he was, um, but. It's a, you know, you mentioned suffering, like it's also, it's also a struggle, like to be, to, to implement a compassionate uh, way of thinking of perspective and angle um, is, is a struggle. And kind of like I said, the last episode around empathy, I'd love to, and this is, I think, why we're doing this, why we're having this conversation. I'd love to, where we get to a place where, you know, it's not a struggle anymore, or at least the struggle is less where it becomes more right. of a norm and it's less taboo, it's less, yeah. you know, yeah. big deal. Yeah. Like where leaders are respected because they're compassionate, not kind of seen as weak because they're compassionate. Yeah, that you understand that it's going to be difficult mm -hmm. or you understand that you will have to struggle to do this work, but that that's okay because we've normalized that as a part of what makes a good leader yeah. or a good part aspect of culture that we should celebrate. Yeah. Well, I'm also interested, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, like the concept of power, right? So power, um, social capital, privilege, you know, we see it in corporations, we see it just, you know, on the streets and just different kind of socioeconomic status. You know, I would like to see people who are on the upside of power, however they've gotten there, whether it's been deserved or not, or somewhere in between, to give up some of that power. And to me, you know, that that power with, sharing the power with other people is kind of an inherent sign of c compassion. Mm -hmm. It shows awareness, it shows um, empathy, mm -hmm. right? It shows um, kind of th that you get the dynamic of what's going on, um, even though you might be in a, in a, 
in a position to not have to care about it. You're choosing to care about other people and act compassionately. How can we get more people to do that, to think that way? Yeah. That's, that's the million dollar <laughs> question. Um, yeah, I think as I, as I hear you talking about that, one of the things that I read prior to this episode was thinking about uh, the Dalai Lama uh, mm -hmm. and this concept of emotional hygiene that you oh, yeah. talked about. And so when I think about how you get people to do that, maybe a part of this is reframing compassion, not from a state of we need you to do something about the condition of the world or we need mm -hmm. you to you know, show up to fight a battle, even though that, that would be a byproduct of the work. Maybe it's really about this emotional hygiene piece, which is that in the same way that we are told to take a shower every day or brush our teeth two times a day and, and floss, and floss because that's important, <laughs> that you actually need to think about how you're yeah. taking care of yourself hygienically, emotionally. And part of that is thinking about compassion and getting rid of destructive emotions or destructive yeah. habits. Yeah. Well, I love how you kind of brought in, the, you didn't say it exactly, but you alluded to like self-compassion. Mm. So I'm a big, mm. in my work on myself and with, with my clients and, and people I work with, uh, the idea that if you're going to, uh, if you're going to be an influencer, a change agent, you're really going to make, you know, create cultures of belonging, be an inclusive leader, all these things that we care about and know are important, you know, for other people. Until or unless you're willing to do that work on and for yourself, you're, you're going to be less effective. So the, I guess another way to say it, the degree to which you're willing to do the work on yourself is going to be directly applicable to how effective your compassion, in this case, for other people is going to be. So I think you're right. I love that concept of emotional hygiene. Like, take care of yourself. Do the work on yourself self-actualize, understand what you care about, what's important to you, why you do what you do, understand your narrative, understand, you know, your personal journey, the collective journey. That's mm -hmm. what we're talking about on yeah. this podcast, right? Yeah. Like, and it's, it really is that self-development piece that allows you to be in a place like the Dalai Lama talks about where you can be compassionate with with genuineness and 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 impact yeah, really right right yeah i feel like i focused in on something that you said earlier because it felt almost like a math equation so like three <laughs> math nerds <laughs> listening but um i love the had a representation of the amount that you put in is going to be what you get out yeah. and so when that comes to like the self-compassion that you practice if you're not putting in the work to really be compassionate to yourself and really get rid mm -hmm. of habits that hurt yourself you're actually going to like exponentially like represent that in the world that you're in or the environments that you're mm -hmm. in. And so if you want to see a more positive world exponentially around you, then you've got to put in that, that amount in front of you, you know? Totally. And you know, we talk a lot about on this podcast around shifting. Mm -hmm. It really is shifting. I mean, some of us have shifted differently or, or, you know, in different areas of our life, you know, everyone's kind of on their own journey, mm -hmm. but how can we continually have that mindset of shifting? Like, okay, how can I keep, how can I keep going? How, what can I do more? What can I do differently? How can I keep self-reflecting um, on my day-to-day -day interactions with myself, with my family, with my colleagues, with mm -hmm. the barista at Pete's, with you know, everyone who you interact with? Yeah, because I think at the end of the day, life is hard. There's a lot of stuff going on. And so some of the challenge and even showing up for other people is really just thinking, how do I even get through my own day? 
and how do I get through all of the things that I'm dealing with? But I think one is recognizing that life is hard. And then again, from our empathy conversation, reflecting and thinking that life could also be hard for other people and it might be hard for them in different ways than it is for me, but I can connect to that idea that life is hard yep. and then start doing that. Now, what am I going to do about it? And then the compassion piece is owning that and saying like, well, in the areas where life is not hard for me, I can show up in these ways. And I would hope that in the way that life is hard for me, there are people that I can look to in society and in my environments who show up for me in those areas. So Jared, we've been talking about compassion and we've brought up some thoughts about why it's important and what it means to us, but I want to help make this a little more tangible for listeners. So maybe you could share a story about compassion and how someone showed up for you in a compassionate way. Yeah. Um, gosh, there are so many, um, actually I'd like to flip it a little bit and, and share a story of how I was compassionate for someone else because I think back to kind of what we were talking about in the in the early uh, earlier part of this episode that you know kind of seeing it from your own perspective might seem selfish or narcissistic but really understanding how to be compassionate allows you to kind of receive receive compassion um, so in a previous life, I was a teacher, a sixth grade teacher, and there was a boy in my class who uh, I knew from the age of two, uh, who, he was biologically a girl. So he was a transgender boy. His parents uh, were, were awesome. They totally accepted it and did everything they could to, to help him in this transition. So by the time he came into kindergarten, uh, all the kids, no one knew. None of the kids knew. The, the staff and the teachers and some of the parents knew, but um, for the most part, he was just a boy and just came through. So by the time he gets to sixth grade, um, I was briefed, right? And um, about halfway through the year, things started changing and the long story short, he wanted to reveal to his classmates that his, his transgender status. So it wasn't really a coming out because he'd already come out when he was two, but it was a, re a revelation. And he wanted to, uh, to let everyone know the true story. And he was a little bit nervous about it. And he was relying on me as his teacher and the staff. And we had some outside experts come in and really help that process along. And it, it was really beautiful how it worked. He was nervous and anxious, but at the same time excited. And to sit with him and, and establish with him that, uh, that we had his back no matter what happened um, was really important and, a, and an act of compassion. And I don't see it as philanthropy or altruism or anything. It was it was just like that was what I was going to do, um, not yes as his teacher, yes as a but just as a person, and understanding his perspective of why that would be so tough. Um, so the day came when we set up and he told the class and it asked a few questions and then they're like, can we go out and play basketball? Wow. And it was like it was both a big deal yeah. and no big deal at the yeah, same time. That is a dream for like kids yeah. like kids to take it that way. I mean, that shows like the beauty of youthful innocence sometimes, but exactly. also this yeah. was the experience that this, uh, you know, individual was able to have with all of these peers or people. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, so yeah, thank you for listening to my story. It yeah. still kind of gives me goosebumps when I think about him and he's, gosh, in college now, so yeah. I mean, doing well and everything. It's I mean, beautiful. So that, compa those, those acts of compassion, um, when, especially when you're in a position of authority or power, really uh, imperative. Um, do you? Have, I'd love to hear a story of compassion from you. 
Yeah, this one for me, I feel like is a story about mental health. Mm. And I was, it's something that we always do in terms of how this starts for me. I was in San Diego, actually your hometown, and was getting a lift, uh, shared whatever the one is for getting in a car with other people, and (laughs) just hopped in front. There was already a passenger in the back. But I noticed that the driver was very quiet and seemed very, like, just focused on the road. And then after about five minutes, the individual in the back just... uh, piped up and said something to the effect of I finally decided to get out of the house because they were looking at me through my computer and you know I was on my phone and I was like okay I'm just going to continue doing what I'm doing I don't know this individual but then the individual kept talking and saying like I've been riding around because I feel like people are out to get me and I you know, want to make sure that they can never find me. And so as this person continued to talk, it dawned on me that maybe this individual might be suffering from something. I'm not a psychiatrist, so I'm not going to try to diagnose, but maybe something that was really affecting the way he was able to show up and the way that he was able to process the world around him. And so I think in that moment, the compassionate step for me was to move from a space of that must be difficult or like I see and can understand that there must be something wrong with him right now to a place of what can I do to help this individual. And so while the drivers was, you know, still driving and I think that was how the driver uh, needed to kind of process by focusing on the task, I took the time to actually just talk to the individual as though they were processing completely rational and you know perfectly believable thoughts because again I didn't know this individual's stories I didn't want to assume but also if the individual's going through something hard and decided to speak up in his car with two strangers it probably was for a reason and so I wanted to make sure that I could connect to that story and that individual by giving him what it seemed like he wanted which was a listening ear and somebody that didn't immediately discount him because yeah. he didn't, I didn't understand what he was talking about or what he was going through. And in the end, he uh, got to a location, uh, got out, and actually was like, thank you. I really appreciated listening to me and said again, like, nobody, like he hadn't talked to anybody or interacted with anybody in a while because he'd been hiding from people that were out to get him. But I hoped in some way that that was a compassionate act that helped him get through whatever he was going through that in that moment yeah god thank you for sharing that and just as i'm listening to your story and thinking about my story um really it's just about validating it's about listening i think sometimes people think of compassion and allyship and stuff that that there's so much to do and there is something to do but it's not as much as we think it's really just about being present and listening and validating. Yeah, no, thank you for allowing me to share. And I I think one of the things that I, as I think about uh, compassion, we talked about self-compassion earlier, and I think that's the first step. But then after that, I really think that it's about, similar to empathy, it's like recognizing our common vulnerabilities. And so even in that moment, I think when I connect it to, if we're thinking about how you build compassion is that, how difficult must it be for somebody to talk to somebody that they don't know about something that troubles them? 
So I can actually internalize that and just say like, that must be extremely difficult for this individual to kind of ask for help in this way. It will be a mild discomfort to me to actually just talk and listen. Like, you know, that that is because I understand that that is a scary thing to, yeah. to ask for help or to show up vulnerably. Yeah. And that is a, a huge part of all of this work is vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I know we're going to explore vulnerability on, on a future episode, but I think that's the challenge for people. That's one of the, you know, it, when we were talking about empathy previously, we talked about these, these, block, these blockades, these uh, limiting beliefs, these uh, obstacles to connection, mm-hmm. right? To connecting with another human being and it's because we're we're uncomfortable being vulnerable. Yeah. And vulnerable sometimes means sharing something, but sometimes vulnerability means just being there for someone, mm-hmm. not sharing anything. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, for you with the with the man in the in the lift, for me with the student, our job in those places to show compassion was to be vulnerable by by being in the space with that person who was in a vulnerable position and sharing that space. And not, not hiding it, yeah. not dismissing it, not running away. Yeah. Breaking down barriers. That's right. That's what we're all about. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Shift, a podcast series with me, Jared Carroll, and uh, Corey Ponder, where um, we, the, it's designed to change how we own our individual journeys and our collective growth. Today, we've been talking about compassion. Um, and before we leave, Corey, I know um, that you're doing a lot of work in this space. Where can people find you? Yep, you can find me at CoreyPonder.com, C-O-R-E-Y-P-O-N-D-E-R. And also, I have a business impact strategies, that's E-M-P-A-C-T, where you can find uh, blogs or information about workshops that I am doing in this space. Awesome. And Jared, tell us a little about where we can find you. Yeah, thanks, Corey. I am uh, at jaredcarroll.com, J-A-R-E-D-K-A-R-O-L.com. Um, also, uh, thirdstoryrevolution.com, using the power of narrative to for inclusive leadership and and team building and creating uh, cultures of belonging. So find either one of us in those places and be sure to tune in for the next episode where we really dive into vulnerability. We'll see you next time. Looking forward to it. All right.